people are surprised when I say this because they say, you know, what do you do about samples and percentages? Like, I've never sent a sample of my copy <laughs> right. in my life. People have said you're an amazing copywriter. They've never seen any of my stuff. So I just took the niche. I mean, yeah. I've got the clients. I've got the testimonials. It, it was, to me, that was the turning point. And then equally, as soon as I got traction, is I learned how to scale fast. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Hey, welcome back to The Truth About Marketing. It's Kevin Rogers here. Another hot episode with another innovative marketer. We're going to have a lot of fun. This will be a colorful conversation today uh, with my man, uh, Dan Meredith. Dan, thanks for coming on, brother. Good day, Mr. Rogers. Pleasure. Looking forward to this one. This will be a lot of fun. I've uh, known you from various Facebook interactions, and then we finally got to meet briefly out at uh, uh, Ryan Lee's Freedom Fest event, where we both uh, had the honor of gracing the stage. And yeah, it was a uh, good event. I really, think I was sober when I met you as well. Which I think is you were. You were, yeah. you were sober and uh, lucid and sweating, very sweaty. sweaty. I remember that. Extremely moist due to the fact that that was probably <laughs> the biggest stage I'd been on. Wasn't even pacing, wasn't even stressed. Totally relaxed. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I really admired that. I think you flew in for like you know, 22 hours and had to get right back on a plane to the UK to attend a wedding. Is that right? Exactly that, 22 hours. Yeah, it was fly out, overnight flight, get there. Try and freshen up on stage, showered again, <laughs> and then back on the flight back to the UK. I love that. That's dedication. It's interesting to me because you, you, the way I've seen your business evolve over the last year or so, you probably don't need to do that. So what's what's your criteria in deciding to do a thing like that? I think for me, um, so I so give you a little bit of history. So my I learned a lot of how I operate from my father. So I used to kind of. Um, my, God, my sister's disabled and some days I'd go with my dad and stuff when I was a, a young kid and sit in the car with him and he used to do what I call his rounds so even though he had customers um, that had been with him for years um, he's sort of quite as a head of sales for a big lighting company now but even though he'd done that for many years he would still get in the car you know put in one, two, three, four hundred miles it doesn't sound like a lot to an American audience but in the UK that's half our country hmm. um, you know and would go and see people face to face you know because he felt that effort was important and, you know, actually, you know, putting in the miles and the fact that, you know, you've actually gone out of your way to do something was key. And I, and I treat the same thing even since I switched from my offline business to, you know, probably 80% online. Um, I realized that what people weren't doing is making the effort to go and see their customers and their clients and their audience. Mm. So for me, if it's, you know, I mean, the, the sort of, I did a, a couple whilst I was in the States recently. One was to a room of about um, 40 people. And then I've been invited to do another one in front of about 800 so it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned if someone is willing to listen to me and if I can help them I think effort goes a long way nowadays and it's, it's one of the things that I see as kind of lacking a lot of the time in especially in the sort of marketing world is that you know people do, you know it's easy enough to hop on a Skype call right. uh, send an email send a Facebook message but right. it's a pain in the ass to get on a flight and go and see someone I thought well I'll do what everyone else isn't wow that's great in this time where things like essentialism is such a popular book the one big thing and sort of all these vehicles to help you decide what not to waste time on, you took something that was essential for the outcome, even if it wasn't, practically speaking, the easiest decision. 
No. I mean, I think the big, it started for me, the real kind of acceleration started at the start of this year, a trafficking conversion. Mm-hmm. And it's a great event, um, but I only actually saw a couple of the speakers. It was actually the people I met at the event that was key. And I think by the end of that month, so starting in TNC and I was in the States for another 28 days, um, living out of one bag, I'd done obviously my international flight there. I think I did 18 internal flights, had over... It was 42 meetings and met eight of my clients and obviously and went to three or four different you know seminars and events as well. So it was every single day meeting new people. And, you know, every, and equally, one of the things that I was very adamant about is that everyone that had invested in me, in my copy and marketing and sort of funnel services at that point, I actually made my way to go and see them and at least take them out for dinner. Mm. Excellent. Wow, that is rare. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, it's, it's an intangible result that you'll get from that, right? I mean, you know, the deepening relationships and the way people talk about you, they'll be fans and probably clients for life. Well, that's the beautiful thing is that one thing I've noticed, especially when I do a lot of the coaching and consulting gigs I do now, is that people won't invest without them knowing, you know, what's my return on investment? What am I going to get back? Yeah. You know, what, what are you going to guarantee I get? And I'm like, well, in all honesty, if anyone guarantees you anything, it's bullshit right. because there is no guarantees. You know, you, you don't know how well a piece of copy is going to perform or a funnel is going to work until you've you know run it up the flagpole. You, you've got a good idea because you're good at your job, but you can't say what conversion rate it's going to get until stuff's going out there. Right. So, uh, what of what I did and what I've done and what I believe in is that you shouldn't necessarily do things always with a financial, you know, dollar bill number at the end as a guaranteed result because it doesn't work like that. You know, I just do what I think is best practice. I do what I think will work, you know, to the best of my abilities. And it's not an instant win thing. It's, you know, it's a kind of case of if you think about, think about the old bands, you know, like the Stones and the Who, you know, obviously the couple of British ones, I'm sure you can name some great American ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and think how they started. They started in crappy little pubs, tiny yeah. little venues, and they toured. Yeah. And I'm a big believer. I mean, look at, think of the stand-up comedy circuit. I mean... Sure. You start off in, you know, little rooms in the top of bars with, you know, a handful of people. And then by the end of it, you're playing, you know, with stadiums or arenas or, you know, if you kind of go down that route. Yeah. And my, my, I took a lot of knowledge from that. And I thought, well, I think, you know, if you're going to stay in this game for a long time, which I want to, I don't want to be, you know, it's very easy to make quick money online. Yeah. Um, but I want to be here for as many years as I can. I decided to build up a fan base, so to speak. And I went, I went on, you know, in effect, my own little tour. That's great. I love it. I love it. You can't beat the personal touch. And how much do you learn about who your clients really are, the people you serve, what they're really about, not just on a personal level for them, but sort of as a, as a live case study for your own research, right? Uh, oh, it's a huge amount. Huge amount. Yeah. I mean, when you actually with it's, it's who we are on. I mean, I've tried to be as close to myself online as possible, you know. The Dan you meet on either in my group or in any other groups or, you know, however you interact with me is as close to me as I can, you know, it can possibly be apart from some, a few terrible, terrible things which must never, ever hear the light of day. But outside <laughs> of those things, it's the same Dan. And yeah. what you find is you get to meet your clients, you know, every, anyone can be, you know, the internet tough guy behind a keyboard or, you know, from a faceless Skype call. But when you're actually sat with people face to face... You bond as people. And what yeah. it does, it gives that relationship a great degree of what I call malleability. Like, whenever I took on a client, I'd always say, you know, there are going to be times when you're going to screw up. There's going to be times where I'm going to screw up. But I like to think that, you know, the strength of our relationship means if I, if 
I'm going to be delayed a couple of days getting a piece of work to you, I'd like to think I can pick you up at the phone and say, look, this has happened. Yeah. Give me those two days equally, you know, and I said to them, you may have a, you know, my, I was charging some pretty high fees and I said, you know what, sometimes a shipment comes in late or you get let down by a supplier and the cash isn't there. I like to think if you say, Dan, just can you give me like 24 hours, you know, I can send you like a thousand bucks now to prove it's okay. Give me, you know, 24 hours to get the rest for you that I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. And it just, it makes the relationship like... I, I think it just it, it's better to be honest with yeah. you because you both there's there's an element of friendship there as well that often you sometimes don't get with like suppliers and you know business owners right and like yeah life happens and everybody should understand that and like you said when you can pick up the phone and go hey it's me Dan here's what's up it's different than somebody they've never actually spoken to on the phone before and then they call and they're like uh oh something's wrong yeah <laughs> they're like oh great it's Dan oh sure okay Dan I get it all good. It's like you said, two friends having a conversation rather than some weird, extreme business scenario. It just and it makes it enjoyable for both parties because you know there are times where I've had you know we we all agree contracts and we say things through, but there's times when maybe your client just needs a little bit more help. Yeah, and they know that they can say that to you. And you're not going to go well. Let me just see if I can price it up and let me check my yeah. content. You're just like, don't give me that bullshit. Right. If someone's paying you a lot of money and they need a little bit of help, then yeah. You know, I have it with my clients like with the contact level. So, for example, some people say, you know, you can have an hour a week of my time and that's it. I have what I call the no douchebag level of contact. <laughs> and it's if you think you're contacting me too much, you are. <laughs> so just don't be a douchebag. Like, my coaching clients now is having a bad day or a bit of a wobble. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just shoot me a message on Facebook if I'm free. Then, yeah, of course I'll spend – I'm a human – of course, yeah. I spent five, ten minutes chatting you, seeing, seeing what you need. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I just think the kind of relationship side of what we do in marketing full stop is just so important. And I think a lot of people, you know, they get focused on the technicalities, the funnels, yeah. you know, the contracts, the minutiae of like, you know, well, right. if you don't hit this, then you're not getting that. It's like, just be nice. Yeah, be- you know, it, it reminds me of a conversation I just had with our mutual friend, Jesse Elder. Uh, Mr. Elder. He's a you know, great, great, great man. And uh, he's a big, he loves to go to Burning Man, right? And so I was, <laughs> I've never been. I was asking him about Burning Man. And he was you know, telling me about how this society appears out of nowhere uh, and then disappears. Like it's, what do they call it? Like a zero footprint uh, thing. And everybody just takes it upon themselves to clean up. There's not a company that comes in at the end. You know what I mean? They just leave it pristine because that's what you do at burning man and you know there is some there's there's no commerce but yet everybody gets along and people trade things so it's a society that people have opted into and it's beautiful it's it, not for, I, I don't think i could do it i mean i'm a thing my i said this when i was a kid like i want to travel the world but by a minimum of four star it's i don't <laughs> think i could and yeah. that's not me being a snob i'm not from yeah. a wealthy background at all yeah. but it's yeah i mean bernie jesse was talking to me about it and i've got a few friends who've been there and it's the concept of just doing right by one another. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're saying with, with, with your approach. It's like, look, if you feel like you're being a pain in the ass, there's a reason for that. It's because you're being a pain in the ass. <laughs> probably, exactly probably don't do that anymore and we'll be fine. But, but otherwise, it's, self, it's a self-monitoring scenario. So, yeah. so let's talk about how you probably you know, you bring that philosophy uh, to Coffee with Dan. And I'll just give you my view of like the emergence the rising star of Dan Meredith, uh, from my view, and I'd love to hear kind of went on behind the scenes f- for that to happen. 
Sure. Um, so I knew you as a guy who was uh, a, a, a respected copywriter, an active freelance copywriter, and um, had a personality and was obviously motivated. But, you know, um, beyond that, I didn't know much about you. And then all of a sudden, it just was like you woke up one day and went, I'm I'm taking it. I'm taking everything that's mine and I'm not holding anything back and not not in a like manipulative way, but the beast within you like <laughs> it was awoken and you just went, I'm here everybody. You're getting the real me and everybody went, "Yes." And on well, can... on, on on started this uh this this nonsense me- meteoric rise. Yeah, that's a nonsense. And, and, and then you, you start this group, Coffee with Dan. You've talked a lot about how you thought it would just be a few friends being cool, helping each other out, solving some problems for each other. It's now almost 3,000 members strong uh, and, you know, really active community. And you're, you're a star in the industry now. You're doing uh, private coaching and special coaching with guys like Ryan Lee and and other people and you know you, you're you're a thing now dan meredith is a thing <laughs> it was never supposed to be you know i love the fact because this is this is what i love about you giving i love the fact you actually remember the language i use because that is my I, I say it all the time me and what i do was never supposed to be a thing it was just something i did um and i'm a big fan of that joker and there's a joker meme and it's just a picture of the joker and he just says like i just do things but um the awakening was actually when i was at uh, I'd gone to a sort of private mastermind with Todd Brown. Again, couldn't afford it. Whacked it all on the credit card. Gambled to see if I could get there. And Andre had become a friend. Andre Chaperon, obviously yeah. a mutual friend of ours. Uh, he gave me a book by Seth Godin called What to Do When It's Your Turn and It's Always Your Turn. And mm. what I've, it meant a lot because Andre lives in Gibraltar. So obviously I'm over in the UK, so in Europe. And, you know, dragged that all the way over to the States. It's a quite chunky book. Uh, gave it to me. And I thought, oh, this is quite nice. I wonder what it's about. Read it on a flight from, where is I going? Florida to Colorado, I think, to see Mr. Lovich, another friend of ours. And it just opened my mind. And I just thought, no one, I'd been told, because I mean, I've always been quite good with people. I've been quite good, I've been told I've got quite good, like EQ, quite empathetic. You know, I'm very good at understanding people at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And I was told when I was younger, you know, you'll be successful one day. And I kind of thought, well, I'm 33 at the time when this happened, 34. It's not happened yet. <laughs> When's it going to happen? And then it suddenly dawned on me that no one is, you know, not being, you know, oh, nasty about it, but no one's going to, no one's going to give it you. Yeah. You have to go and take it yourself. Yeah. And not screw people over, not be, you know, a bad person. Just if you, I mean, this is why I kind of quite like America and I come over there a bit because you've got that kind of pioneer spirit. Is you just go and take it, mm-hmm. just go and do it. You know, like same with like the niches I've worked in, the things that I've just gone. Okay, well. No one else wants it. Well, I'll have it then. I'll just take it. Yeah. I love it. And so, so is that a part of it of, because it was like this coming out part, and like you said, you didn't plan to create a movement or, or even build a tribe or have a following necessarily. It was well, just, so. it was just what, what was going to be the difference when you said, I have to go take it? What, what was step one? Well, step one for me was, you know, again, applying, I mean, uh, my sort of mentor and friend, Dexter, he says to me, he says, you have this really simple way of looking at it. And Doberman Dan mm-hmm. um, gave me the best compliment I've loved. He goes, you're not, what was it? You're not burdened with excessive thought. <laughs> and he meant it as a compliment. <laughs> and I loved, I loved it because it was just so pragmatic. And, and, and that's my approach. Like I, 
you know, like I said, I did a coaching call today for someone mm. and, you know, we went through all the, you know, the usual things, the numbers, the metrics, all the business stuff. And then there was this glaring thing that he hadn't done. He's like super well connected in the industry. He's got this great product. And I said, have you just reached out and asked people to promote it for you? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, get him on the phone, have a nice chat to him and say, look, hey, I've done all this stuff for you. Would you mind promoting this? And he's like, I never thought of that. And I have a, a knack of basically getting to the simplest possible wins, like the lowest hanging fruit every time. I'm good at spotting the, mm. the issues. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did with you know my copywriting businesses, my two agencies, you know, the supplement thing that I'm going into. I just I find a crowd of people who need, you know, it's it's that simple thing, but a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people start with I've got this great product, I'm gonna spend all this time, effort and money or service making this thing. And then I'll go to market and try and sell it. Whereas my whole philosophy has been, well, find a group of people who've got, you know, a pressing need, ask them, what would you like to fix it? You know, what would help you? What would you look for? And I go away and make it. Awesome. So, I, I, that's all I do. That's the simplest, most friction-free way you can, you can market and grow a business is like ha- create a dialogue with people who need help you can provide and find the best way to provide it. It's, it's, and it's what most people... Uh, I've noticed since I've got more embedded in the online world is there'll be, you know, there's some super talented, skilled people. They'll just create the thing, yeah. first of all, and then try and sell it to people. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't even know if people want it. Right. Yeah. We were just talking about that, uh, my buddy Ross and I, about what's great about having a community is you can only build training based on the stuff that gets results for people. Mm. And rather than go, let me let me go into a dark room for three days and dream <laughs> up a, a, a training that people see. I'll give it a name that makes it irresistible, oh, and you'll feel like you're missing out if you don't take advantage of this, right? Well, my first ever coaching one, it was done. I literally, I remember it was. And bear in mind, this is my ad spend has been zero yeah. so far, and I literally I had an opportunity, um, needed to raise some money. I was very, I was even completely open about it. Mm-hmm. I said, look, I've had an investment opportunity. I need to raise some funds. I said, these are the things that I can do. And I just listed out all the things that I felt that I have a very strong case to coach and teach people in. You know, I didn't list anything I couldn't do. Mm. And I said, would you, you know, what would you be interested in? And, you know, a hundred or so comments later, I went through the comments, came up with it. And then, so this is, this was on a Saturday by the Sunday, six o'clock the next day, uh, 25,000 pounds English, so about $40,000. Wow. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I come from quite a, a low income, you know, modest family. Yeah. You know, that's, that's insane money. And the fact is that I, I've done that two or three times now and it's not, you know, I've got a, um, a social media product coming up soon because I've been very good with doing the kind of organic posting to grow a business. Yeah. And I just simply said, guys, this is why, would you be interested in it? And I had like 200 and something yeses. So I've got, you know, realistically even a half of them mm-hmm. go through. That's like, there's a, there's death. There's business just there waiting for me to finally get the bloody thing through to the graphic designer and make it look pretty i love it it's great cool let's get to there's an essential question i ask all mm-hmm. my guests of the show and really excited to hear your answer because again uh you don't overthink stuff but you're a high action taker have you have you done your colby uh, oh yeah i'm i'm nine on uh quick stuff <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. it doesn't surprise me at all okay cool what are you on research i'm curious um, the thing is I was, I was actually lowest on, I was thinking I was lowest on implementation and then middle on the other two. Right. Um, okay. but I've used that to my advantage, obviously with, 
the businesses, and I'll talk to you about that later. I mean, okay. I've worked out how to leverage my strengths and weaknesses to their maximum effect, and I'm very honest with that. Yeah, great. Love it. Okay. Um, so, Dan, Meredith, uh, what is the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? It was, it goes back to that kind of, you know, just taking it side of things as well. I, um, I decided to, you know, when I was, so this is when I said, well, no, you've obviously got a huge copywriting audience and this is just something that really benefited me is that I decided to pick a niche and just take it. Mm. So when I first came on the, the, you know, the copy scene, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still relatively green by copy years. You know, I haven't put in like 20 years and written packages for Agora, but one thing I had done, so my background was in health and fitness. I, I own a gym, still own a gym. And I thought, well, I've spoken to like thousands of people about, you know, nutrition and weight loss and muscle gain. So I'm pretty, you know, I've got more than enough stories. So I was trying to think, you know, do I call myself DanMeredith.com? You know, do I come up with like a corp, corporate sounding name? And a friend of mine just said, why don't you just take the niche? Which I came up with, I am the fitness copywriter. Yeah, I just took it. Yeah. There's no one else. No one else had it. So I was like, okay, well. I'll have it then. And, you know, no one opposed me. I mean, a few people I saw, I've seen a few imitators, which is always cute because obviously when you're first to market, you've got that yeah. benefit to you. And then it allowed me to niche down. You know, I was only leveraging what I knew. You know, if someone said to me, oh, thank you, right on, um, you know, on, on dating or on biz. I'm like, N- I, I know good people, but I said, that's not for me. Yeah. Because even though as a copywriter, you can research. Right. And, and I was very honest. You know, I used to say to people, you know, if you are looking for a grade A, you know, knock it out of the park copywriter, I'm not your guy. But I'm a solid B. But you know what I'm also? This is I'm fast. Hmm. So I would say to people, you will get your, you know, if you want a funnel, so like your sales page, your opt-in, your 10 emails, you'll get that in a week. Hmm. Wow. And I would smash it out. Because, because I knew my industry, as in health and fitness, so well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hard for me to come up with the stories, the hooks, the headlines, because they'd been in my part. And plus, that's all I researched. And if it was something like it was a supplement company or you know a different type of exercise that I wasn't familiar with, of course I would spend a couple of weeks, you know, as you would expect to, immersing yourself in that market, you know, getting as much info as you can. But I just I just took the niche. And then when I was approaching people, it was very, very simple because I said, This is all I do. You know, you can get other yeah. copies. Other co- of course, there's loads of copywriters who can write. There's thousands of the buggers who write in health and fitness. But I'm just like, well, I'm the only fitness copywriter. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, and brilliant. just by taking that niche, and I've said it to people before. You know, I spoke to a gentleman a little while ago, and he said he was really good at writing um, affiliate. So I just said, why don't you call yourself like affiliate copy king? Mm. Anything. You know, yeah. my French, uh, you know, mutual friend of ours, Sean. He's taking, you know, I, I, um, he's like, I am the story, copy storyteller or something like that. He's basically taken the concept of storytelling and just gone, nope, I'll take it. Yeah, or, right. Or like uh, Mark, Mark Whitehand with video. Yeah, Mr. Whitehand, so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the entrepreneur storyteller, storyteller. right? Yeah. That's, and the thing is, it's that we have a, a brand here in the UK called Ron Seal, and it's the most unsexy adverts you used to have in the, the 90s and early noughties. And it basically is wood stain, you know, stained for like, out, and it says, it says, Ron Seal wood stain. It does exactly what it says on the tin. As in, there was nothing, it, there, didn't, there was no hype. It's just, we do this, we've just told you. We, and that's, I found it, to, it basically makes things so much easier. Yeah. And people are surprised when I say this because they say, you know, what do you do about samples and percentages? Like, I've never sent a sample of my copy <laughs> right. in my life. Yeah. People have said you're an amazing copywriter. They've never seen any of my stuff. <laughs> 
just because I just took the niche. I mean, yeah. I've got the clients, I've got the testimonials. Yeah. But it, it was, to me, that was the turning point. And then equally, as soon as I got traction, is I learned how to scale fast. Mm. And that's how I got my businesses so big so quickly, is scale. Interesting. Now, let me talk to you about the copywriting process for a minute because <laughs> I think people are always wanting to know about your your, your sort of new stardom that you created and, and your, your viral ability <laughs> with your post. Uh, but I'd love to dig in and get to know you a little bit more as a, as a copywriter. So, sure. cause that's a big issue for, for a lot of writers and marketers who write their own copy is, is just the time it takes, right? Mm. So what, what was your, what, what was behind your ability to pump it out so fast? Um, <laughs> a lot of stimulants. No, I was, um, <laughs> I think for me, there was a pressing need. So at the time, it's, you know, I think when, I don't know if you'll agree, when, you're, when your back's against the wall a little bit, mm-hmm. you'll often produce some of your best work because yeah. you kind of have to. Yeah. So I always kept myself under a kind of semi-permanent state of fear and panic. Like <laughs> I have to, you know, never, don't, as um, Brian Kurt said to me when I first met him, we got on really well. And he said, I know your type, Dan. He says, you are basically walking at a quite thick, steady tightrope. Mm. He said, if you look back or to the sides or down, you're screwed. He <laughs> says, all you can do, someone like you, is you just go forward. Mm. And don't worry about what's going behind you. Mm. Just, and that's how I kind of approached it. And then the actual process of me getting to sort of where I was, it was a case of, you know, I, I did as you do. You know, when you get into I bought all the things. Right. So I got, um, all, you know, all the books. I got all the traditional books, you know, from like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Um, up to, you know, modern classics. So I got like... Um, you know, like Ben's program, Andre stuff, Doberman Dan's, all that you go. But the thing where I started was the copy hour. And, you know, it's like copying out by hand an yeah. hour or so of copy a day. And I thought, well, I haven't got time for a year. So I contacted the guy and I said, can I just have like four or five hours a day? So I would get up at five in the morning. I've got them here. They're literally to the left of me here because I'm, I'm moving flat. Hmm. And I've got 28 A4 binders of handwritten copy. Wow. So I did five hours of that a day. And then moved on to pitching. So everything. So I was very consistent. So it was handwritten copy. Then it was two to three hours of new business development, six days a week. So I'd do Saturdays as well. Then I would go on to um, reading. So I would like read um, some of the manuals. You know, I'd spend a couple of hours doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be running my gym. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was basically people say, you know, you know, some people have, you know, obviously, you know, it's fair to say, you know, who do you think you are? You've come out of nowhere. How do you charge that? It's like, well, if you want to do that, then that's cool. Yeah. You know, it was, it was 18, 20 hour days for three to five months consistently. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. Interesting. Why copy? Uh, there's so many ways to make money. If you <laughs> applied that same energy towards mastering traffic, you'd probably be a lot richer. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay, so I have kind of uh, quite a good sportsman, but I would say, for considering I was a rugby player, I used to really struggle with sort of certain, like with like did like catching things like high in the air and stuff. And I have very very mild dyspraxia on my father's side, so sometimes my brain just kind of muddles things up. Mm. So even though I did like maths and physics and design to at my A levels in the UK, I spreadsheets. If I saw like groups of numbers, they I'd have to literally trace my finger across the page. Mm. And so I realized that, and plus, do you know what? It just doesn't excite me. Yeah. Like the idea of looking at, you know, and I know, don't get me wrong, that stuff is, I know there's big money in it, but I would much rather, you know, my business partner in my agency, she was like, she was, I, I'd probably say like a tiny bit 
autistic if I would say. And I'm not saying that to anyone. I'm not saying that, you know, in a derogatory way, my sister's heavily sort of mentally uh, disabled as well. But she just had that kind of real ultra focus yeah. that you have someone who has that kind of level of brain, brain function. Mm. And she admitted she had a bit of that herself. And it was, she was so good with seeing the numbers and kind of seeing how they could change day to day. I thought, I, it's like when you see... It's not when you see someone paint like a masterpiece or something. You think, I can do it, and I did do it, and I ran my Facebook ads, but I thought, I can't do it like you. Yeah. Whereas I've always been a good storyteller. I've always liked talking. I've always sold a lot via email um, and copy, but naturally. And I thought, this is more fun. And plus, um, the reason I got into copy was, you know, at the time when uh, there was an opportunity to work for Ryan Levesque as his copywriter, I didn't. I knew Ryan was good. I didn't know anything about anyone at that point. I just thought... Yeah, I've been doing this for five weeks. I'll apply. Um, so <laughs> she found quite novel when he realised how long I've been doing it for. But as I said, I mentioned my sister. You know, I had a, a facility. It was quite a premium price facility, so we had you know downtime, and I often cared for my sister. So I needed something I could do on a laptop. And I thought, and at this time, I thought someone will pay you like a hundred dollars to write an email. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I can do that. Yeah. And that's where my kind of love affair with it came about Interesting. and it's translated into you know what I've, I've basically translated copy into every element of my life yeah. from my business pictures to my social media to my interactions with you know friends r- relationships partners it just works it just really yeah. works yeah. yeah it becomes instinctual and that's when it's mm. that's when the gift really starts to pay off right 100 uh, or i should say you know the gift because you earn it we all have to earn it yeah. um but you know, so let's talk about uh, you know posting, right? You know, mm-hmm. as writers, we I've talked to John Carlton about this quite a bit because uh, he's he's a very effective Facebook Facebooker as well. Yeah, you know, he gets epic response, and it, you know, I've walked through some of his posts with him. It's it's some of the best um, podcasting we've done together, and I'd love to do a similar thing with you. Are you up for that? Hundred mm, percent, mate. Let's go into. I'm just going to go into cop. Uh, coffee with Dan here, and do you have a recent post that, that you yeah, felt, felt find, strong about? I'll find one now. If we go into, if you go into the photos at the top, yeah, and if you scroll down, we'll find the, we'll find one where I know there's <laughs> so much, so much swearing and abuse on my stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh, where's a good one? I'm just trying to find one which has actually got some good wordage on there. Do you know, let's see what's on the feed today. Because I did one today, actually. Okay. Um, discussion. I'm always writing nonsense on there. There we go. Try and find one. It's must be really exciting for everyone listening, by the way. Okay, if you scroll all the way down, there's one that says, please all read. And it's got a picture of me. And excuse anyone to so it. says, please help me the fuck out. <laughs> uh, scroll down. It's about eight posts down on the main wall. Is it under your throwback photo? Oh, it's in the fo- if you go into photos, and if anyone else is in my group, this is one of my favorite posts because it got. Oh, I yeah. see it. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so a picture of you holding up a sign says, uh, "Help me the fuck out." <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. And it says, "Please all read now." Uh, let's see. Oh, let me click on it. Okay, so so so, so it's a little long, um, and I'm sure. It, so we won't read through it all. Yeah. But I invite everybody. If what's the criteria for joining Coffee with Dan? Uh, we need to have a mutual friend in common. Okay. Uh, you need to have friends in the group or added in by a friend. Cause if I, if I, if I, if I can't click on, I do go through once a month and all the people that have got no connections, I go through and just see, I look on their profile and see, are they entrepreneurial? As in, are they talking about entrepreneur stuff? Um, if they're not, they don't come in. So I've, I've been, it's quite a, it's not 
that it's not hard to get in, but it's not just plain telling it's come in just because. Yeah, right. Okay, great. So if you are in uh, fortunate enough to be in Coffee with Dan, you can come see this post. And if not, uh, make friends with Dan or make friends with a friend of Dan's. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple. And so, so this one says, because uh, what I'm, I want to get at here is, as writers, we're all constantly in this process, right? Yes. And sometimes, you know, what makes things uh, attractive online, typically they're written quickly because it's really about getting that emotion to transfer and not yeah. muddling with it so much that that goes away, right? So yeah. let's talk, tell me about this post what its intent was, and I'd love to see if, if possible, any instances as you sort of scan through this where you started to write it one way and then thought to write it a different way. Okay, so one of the key things that I always do, especially if on social media, uh, ladies and gents, is I always include as, as close to a pattern interrupting image as I can, and I'm very conscious what I've posted in the days prior. Mm. So the reason this came about is that I'd been traveling, um, so I've been, I've been active, but not, you know, usually I'm on it all day in the group. And there was lots of kind of, um, self aggrandizing, you know, look at me, look at what I've achieved. You know, two years ago I did, it was only, you know, I didn't have any arms and legs and I was living <laughs> on the moon and now look at me now I've got a golden house and I've got all my, it's just, I was just like, or it was the woe is me type post. And I'm like, this is not what the group was about. This is boring. So this was a, this. The, I don't rant very often, mm-hmm. so this so for, for starters, the, uh, there's a lot of things in play here. You know, I was telling people to read this, which I never do. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, uh, ranting, and I was actually asking them to help me the fuck out. As in, like, I looked exasperated on the photo. So it started off very much as a as a as a rant, and you know, I structure it. I you know, I look at how Facebook how it looks in my feed as well as thinking. You know, if I'm a so I'm someone who's on social media, what do I have to do to get them to stop and click? Mm. So I write it as if I was writing, you know, headline, subheadline. Great. That's always, in all my posts, if you, you'll see that as a common thread, unless I'm just having a whimsical one, which is just, you know, on my personal one, it's generally a little bit lighter and sillier, and that's kind of more day-to-day stuff. In the group, it's obviously trying to keep it more entrepreneurial. So <clears throat> I, I literally call people out on this one. And I was talking about, you know, the, the transition I have here is I'm basically really saying, like, the week prior, we did this whole series with um, a friend of ours called Sean Mysell, and he'd, you know, we'd put together this whole, it's called How to Be Interesting. Because mm. we were saying, you know, if you're going to stand out, you're going to have, you know, he's very good as a storyteller, I'm very good at using stories from, like, the now. And we were just saying, like, you've got to be interesting. And, you know, we put our effort into this, like, five-strong mini-series, and it was still boring. Mm. And we were like, can you just, could you just not? <laughs> and then the fact that it still got boring. So basically it transitioned. First of all, it started off as a rant. And then as you get halfway through, I'm basically telling people what I'm going to do. If you post, I'm just going to delete it. Mm. Like I'm going to smack you down. But then I switch into how they can then help me. So halfway through, it's just a case of, okay, I've kind of given you the beat down. Now I'm going to bring you back up. I'm like, this is how you can help me. You know, there's some real experts in this group. And then I list all the things that, I believe people want helping, you know, like copy, advertising, JVs, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I go again into the kind of philosophy behind it. As in, you know, it says in capital letters, you don't always have to make a buck off someone. Mm. You know, my whole, my whole philosophy is built around giving. Yeah. And eventually it will come back. And that is true. You know, some people don't believe that. That's cool. That's their philosophy. 
And then I'm t- explaining, you know, it's not about me. It's about the power of the group. It's about the community. So that's how that story evolved as I went along. And then basically tried to, to wrap it up. You know, again, the power, you know, this is, this is like the, the hammer equivalent of direct response. I even said that, please do not just like this post. It's lazy as fuck. You know, I want a commentary. Yeah. I want you to talk to me. And if you can't be bothered to even have a discussion with me, I don't want you here. And the brilliant thing about that post was, I mean, this is quite an unusual one for me for doing it like that, is that not only did it get hundreds of responses, the people that I'd kind of mentally sussed out as the culprits hmm. didn't reply. Wow, interesting. So it was really good. It called people out as well as put people back in line. But the beautiful thing was this, that pretty much all of the quotes were people agreeing with me and saying, thank God you said something. You know, I didn't want to leave. This is a special place. Mm. You know, thank God you stepped in. So that's great. I mean, and that's leadership, right? And that's sort of like, yeah. you know, uh, cult building uh, ethically, as, as, as Jesse would yeah. say, uh, is like, look, what are we against? And I'm not going to sit. It's not about volume here. Uh, and you know, if I see some bullshit, I'm just going to call it out because that's what you guys rely on me for. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I call myself very much a reluctant leader Hmm. as it wasn't intentional. It wasn't, you know, something kind you know, I've kind of been, I've often been, I've been a number two in a lot of my careers. Mm -hmm. Um, as in, I've been the guy behind the face. I was the one that made, you know, made all the connections, made things happen, made them look good. And I was good at it. So this is the first time me doing it is, you know, the front and center. Yeah. And I realized that the hard part is actually doing stuff like that, is, is telling people no, is kind of, you know, stamping your authority. You know, not in an aggressive way. I mean, you can do it aggressively if you want. But is actually saying, no, this is, how it, this is how it is. This is how it needs to be. Yeah. And so I love it. So you talked about always thinking of a post like a copywriter would, headline, subhead, you know, getting people to read the next line essentially is our job 100%. as copywriters. And then was what you do because it's a rant. Typically, I, mean, I can feel the passion, <laughs> a lot of emotion <laughs> here. Uh, but then it gets more practical, and then you kind of so you don't come in with like some template. Okay, I need to get angry, and then you know tell them it's okay. It'll be okay if or here it, it just kind of lay it, it works. It's itself, real. Works That's my whole philosophy. Out. Yeah. Yeah, it's- it, for me, what I find with social media is, uh, some, you know, for example, someone, um, my business partner, who's tested tens of thousands of posts using some of these like automated posting yeah. um, services, right. and he's found that the reach they get, the interactions they get, are just less. You know, Facebook's smart, for example. Lots, of, you know, the algorithms that all the social media platforms use, they're not dumb. Yeah, yeah, you know, they 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 reward you for playing their game. So, for example, if I every day, I mean everyone's all there's always something that happens in your life every single day that you can tell a story about Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. if it's not now it's something from your past but i'm a big believer in only posting up you know i've also tested it i know when the the peak times are for my audience i'm you know mindful of that Mm -hmm. but i also realize that if it doesn't if it sounds forced like if i you know some people i mean i remember being in you know sort of marketing groups sort of two three years ago and they're like, write all your content for the whole week on a Sunday, schedule the posts. And it's like, uh, no, it's, it's not real. Yeah. Like, for example, yesterday. So I had loads of engagement yesterday, and I wasn't even playing Facebook. I basically told everyone in the start of the morning, I'm having a day off, and I'm going to do stupid things. <laughs> and I just posted I went to the aquarium, I went to the cinema by myself, went to the German market and drank mulled wine. I went to a model shop and painted some models. 
I just had a stupid day. Mm. But that was actually my real day. Mm-hmm. And what I found is, is that your audience, your customers, they want to know the real you. Yeah. Like, you know, the stuff you post up when you box and you got back from, you know, getting your head dinged for the yeah. first time. That's like one of my favorite videos you did because you looked like you'd been smacked around the head. Right, right. Still, you did. I was literally still sweating. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. People want to know the real you. And they, you know, the, the concept of resonance marketing is one that I've learned and I'm a huge fan of because it, it's, I believe, the industry is shifting that way. You know, it's not, you know, the sophistication of our audience is getting higher and higher. You know, everyone, you know, a lot of people know now, I mean, obviously we do in the industry, if they opt in for some free report, that they're going to get hit by some sort of sale in the near distant future. Right, right. It's, you know, people are just getting wise to it now. And sure. that's why I think, you know, groups and tribes and, you know, organized, you know, sort of memberships are just are going to be so powerful. I remember sorry, I saw an advert on my Facebook feed today and it's like, do you really think, I mean, who taught you? It was like, click here to get the leaked report. It's like, no <laughs> fucking leaked anything. No one leaked it. Oh, God. This is not NATO. This is not the government. That's right. It's you trying to sell some crappy $30 product. <laughs> no one leaked this. <laughs> Sorry, really. It just, you know, because I think once, you, once you're in, that's one of the things I find, once you're in this world. Yeah, yeah. Because you see it so often. When you see a good one, you're like, oh, I appreciate that. But when you see, I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't, because it's like you may, he's, he's got a moderate follow. I'll send you a photo afterwards, because yeah. I saw an advert the other day, and I was like, if I could reach through the screen and punch you, I would. It just made it made me it made a little bit of sick come in my mouth. Just, how are you doing this? Mm, yeah, Off, sorry, off on a tangent. There. Nah, people sell their souls pretty quick, and you know, fast. Uh, this has been great. I want to respect your time. Uh, That's great, I've really enjoyed it. It's flown past. It's really great. I, I want to. Speaking of posts, I, I had a rant post yesterday and what i love about ranting a little bit and being sort of being a writer uh it's not just about writing but it's about the way we think in the way we it's very therapeutic right when you mm. when you get something out and a lot of times you don't realize something's there until you you get going right and you're like ah this is pissing me off i didn't even realize it you know and one of the things i pointed out it was about freelancers and why so many of them stay stay sort of desperate and get bitter you know mm. uh and one of the things is that by joining so many groups and and being uh, act you know quote unquote active in these places uh, makes them feel like they're contributing or gaining mm. authority. But is it really just a crutch, or are they using that opportunity to genuinely grow? I mean, because what an opportunity is to have a microcosm like this, a community like this, to put out, share ideas, and see what resonates, and then build upon that, right? But so often, everybody's just like me tooing, you know? And so tell me as a, a, I mean, you've obviously paid very close attention to the psychology behind how people behave in in a community like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, How many people do you see using it as a crutch as opposed to an opportunity to like, challenge themselves and, and grow? Yeah, that's a really, that is a really good question, actually. Um, I think sometimes, I mean, I, this is a phrase that was used when I was in my corporate days when I was a headhunter, and it was the term busy fool. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. So you think because, you know, you're posting in groups, you're doing all this interaction, all this kind of stuff, um, that, yeah, you know, I'm making headway. 
so even though I was in groups, I was in, you know, the main one I was in was in Ryan Levesque's group, which I love, and obviously I did was lucky enough to work for, you know, mentor under Ryan for a, a big chunk of time, is that I would see my interaction in groups as one part of like a, a spoked wheel of my job. Mm. So I would still have to do, you know, go out and research potential clients, pitch to them, do Skype calls, you know, do, you know, free calls to kind of establish, you know, to, to help people. It was one of a variety of things I did to get business. Um, I generally find if you, again, if you're niched, if you're particularly good at a thing mm-hmm. and you help people and it's not, it's not just kind of like give them a throwaway answer. I mean, you should see, I mean, you've seen my groups. Like one guy yesterday, step by step broke down, you know, it may sound simple, but somebody's never done it, how to get published on Kindle. And it may seem simple to those who've done it, and it's not particularly hard, but to someone who wants their book on Kindle yeah. and they don't know where to start, he just, out of this blue, step-loaded it. Mm. And he obviously, you know, he has, he has you know, interest in that world, and it's the kind of thing that if I was going to approach someone for help with mine and pay them to, I'd, I'd speak to that person. So it's right. that kind of, I right. often find selfless giving value, as in really giving to people, um, again, your best stuff yeah. without fear. You know, one thing I've realized is is that there's always going to be people who will take your stuff, never pay you anything, but they will use it. Hmm. And they'll thank you for it, but they're the sort of people that will just take your ideas and run with it. One guy the other day, you know, he said he he took all my marketing videos, I've done like 14 basics of marketing videos, applied, you know, X amount of them, he's made so much money back, I just want to say thanks. Yeah. Probably, is he going to pay me anything? Maybe. Probably not though, because he's an action taker. Yeah. And I just, that doesn't bother me. Right. But then there's the people in that middle ground who, you know, let's face it, buy all our stuff and don't really implement it. Right, right. Just we, like, that's all you've got to do is just do the stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. I would rather have somebody basically steal something, apply it, get a result and thank me than, you know, pay a, a moderate fee and do nothing with it and go, ah, sorry, I just never get around to it. Well, that's, and it makes that you sucks. feel bad as well because yeah. then they often hold the blame with you. That I spent, you know, a thousand dollars on your training course and I didn't make anything back. It's like, did you do anything? Did you even read it? Right, and you you, no, you, you know the answer, and there and there, yeah. So I don't want to be one more guilty thing yeah. on, on somebody's hard drive. Uh, so true. I like that. <laughs> uh, you know, I just want to point out that the thing you you just said about how to get the most out of your your interactions uh, socially or in any group is what I l- uh, really have been emphasizing a lot lately is it comes down to one word, just teach, teach. If you, if you say, what can I teach here? Or what do I know that I can bring into this conversation that taught me something and I can eloquently present it as a new idea for somebody else? That's the best value you can give. And it's the best way to raise your authority and your expertise in, in the business, in your value, in the eyes of others. It's 100%. So just teach. Yeah, and, if, and again, I'll, I'll add to that, is if you can teach and simplify. Yes. So something that I've found has worked really well for some of the posts from the content is kind of teach them the big idea. Maybe teach them something quite in-depth and then just say, right, so that's how you can do it then. But if you want the kind of what I call the Diet Coke version, mm-hmm. just do this. Mm-hmm. Don't so you can go that that's the kind of like the you know the, the full fat coke up top. If you can't do that, or you just kind of you know you just want to dip your toe in, do that. Just do that thing. Yeah, great. That, that's that's huge. Yeah, yeah, just so they can apply it and get some result, right? 
Yeah. Give them the best opportunity to take action. And like you said, and then you've done kind of everything you can. And if people don't, if they want to stay distracted and use it, all these opportunities, it's crutches instead of uh, ways to grow. Exactly. So I mean, there. I did one today on um, Lumpy Mail. You know, Lumpy Mail, I lo- I've, I've made a lot of money personally with Lumpy Mail. Mm-hmm. And not so much like mass tens of thousands, but, you know, like kind of strategic letters. And it, kind is of that from the gym? Yeah, from the, from the fitness facility and yeah. from my market, marketing agency as well. And I did a simple one today. I was talking to a friend of mine. He was trying to get more work with um, agents for his copywriting service. And I just said, look, let's just take, so we were talking about, you know, some different ways of doing it. I said, look, let's just kind of leverage one of, you know, the, the one of the, my old favorites, the Gary Halbert dollar bill letter, mm-hmm. and let's just modernize it. So we got a $5 Starbucks card. We talked about the concept of, you know, if, you know, if you don't think I will, you know, <laughs> provide any value for you, the least you've got is a kind of, you know, two cups of coffee on me. <laughs> but if you could, you know, we, the story was about yeah, just spending, you know, in 10 minutes, I could make it either save you or make you thousands. Yeah. And like, and that's, that's weak copy. That's not what we wrote. It was right, like a two pager. Right. Yeah. But you know, again, as I said to people today, or how, how many people are going to go out and buy 50 Starbucks cards? Right. Hardly any. I know for a fact that I am, and I did. We've got a chain here called Costa, so similar, similar kind of chain. I just went down this morning and I bought 20 of them. And I don't know who I'm going to write to tomorrow. I'm just going to send out 20 letters mm. to just have meetings with people who are of influence and see what happens. I love it. Yeah, buy but people's so- attention. Greatest thing they could pay you first is their attention. And if you have to invest five bucks a shot to get their attention, uh, it's brilliant. It's but we go back to what we said at the very start. Everyone nowadays wants to know how much they're going to get, what's my return on investment, what's in it for me, before they put their hand in their pocket even once. Yeah. And that's that. that you know what? That's, if, you, if I'm going to leave with any kind of concept, um, the, sort of, you know, the idea I had of the niching down, but now is that you know, in, in, invest, invest regularly, invest often. You know, every spare penny I made, so my first piece of copy um, – I took the money I got and put it straight back into another course. And I just kept doing that and I kept learning and applying. And then as soon as I had money, I paid for even just an hour of someone's time. I remember I badgered. So when I worked with Ryan Levesque, you know, I got paid for doing this trial thing for him. And I came second, which worked out well because I ended up working for him. Didn't become his copywriter, but became his kind of right-hand man in the, the new business side. And he exchanged what he was going to pay me for 22 minutes and 30 seconds of his time. <laughs> you know Ryan. He's Mr. Detail. Right. And, you know, and same with Doberman Dan. You know, I badgered him for a call and he, he wouldn't accept, you know, and, and uh, Derek Johansson as the copy out. These people, you know, didn't necessarily offer that. Hmm. But I would say, look, I'm not going to take the pish. You know, the phrase I hate the most is, can I pick your brain? Yes, yes. Go away. No, you can't. Yeah. I, I, offer, I, I offer people a chance to make it. If they just want a quick chat, they can make a donation to my sister's charity now. Hmm. And if they can't even give me 10 bucks, they're not worth my time. Great. But I offer, you know, the whole concept of pay to play. I, you know, I've gone to so many events where people, you know, don't use them in the right way. Like, I'll give you a little copywriter's tip, guys. Any event where people are selling stuff. So I went to a supplement mastermind, yeah? Mm-hmm. 30 people, all wealthy. You know, these are big names in the supplement industry, yeah? Mm-hmm. Me and my business partner, Mike, we're the only copywriters. We've got six clients just by sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. So it cost us seven grand between us. We made 50 back. Wow. So that there is just as a simple little hack, right. guys and girls. Don't go, you know, go to copy events, learn your craft, 
but if you let's just say you write for the finance industry, yeah, I'd be going to every financial services um, mastermind and meetup there was. Right. I'd be like, this is what I do. I get you more customers. That's right. Oh, hello. Exactly right. And every everybody in there knows they need copy, and they're all going, where do we get copywriters? Yeah. And oh, uh, if you happen to be sitting two two chairs over, <laughs> there's never a greater opportunity. But honestly, buddy, that has made. I mean, that has been. You know, when I was, I am the fitness copywriter. I just went to a load of um, fitness mentoring companies and said, "Hey, do you want me to put a talk on for your guys and girls? Teach them how to write some. You know, just some quick, effective copy." And off the back of that, I ended up with a business partner, you know, to this day, a business partner, two staff copywriters, mm. innumerable clients. And I've spoken on stage at all the fitness events mm-hmm. just by, go, instead of, you know, a simple one, don't fish where the fishermen are, fish where the fish are. It's that love simple. Love it. Not burdened with overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, 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 and he meant it with love, but I still can't <laughs> help but have a little row. Like, ah, <laughs> It's oh, great, <laughs> Dad. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, it's it's been a blast. I'm a huge fan, and I'm sure we'll be running into each other a lot more. Uh, where do people come? Where's the best place for them to get into your world? Have a guess. Uh, go on a Facebook. Put coffee with Dan at the top, and if you're cool, we're cool, and we'll say hello very soon. Awesome. Thanks, pal. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to another fine episode of the Truth About Marketing podcast. I do appreciate your time. I know you have lots of choices. And if you're loving this podcast, I'm loving having you listen to it. And let's celebrate our relationship, won't we, with a review, (laughs) a five-star review on iTunes.com. You know, that's how they judge these things, right? iTunes looks at how many people rate and review your podcast, and then they decide if it's worthy of telling other people about. So if you think this is a good podcast and you think other people like you should hear it, if you go to iTunes and rate and review the show. That's the best way to get the word out. Really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about how to improve your copy, you can do that on the inside at copychief.com and visit copychief.com forward slash T-A-M to get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode. The Truth About Marketing podcast is produced by James Clouser, graphics by Cassie Clouser, and the bullets for this show, so handily displayed for you, written by Dan Ludgater. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.